Tiffany. It's Issa. And I'm also Tiffany. And this is The Last Tiffany. And this is Tit Talks, a podcast for modern women living in a mama world. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two of Tit Talks. I feel like we should applaud here. Yeah. Yay. Let's go. <laughs> This is Tisha Tiffany Travis Tay, and I will be moderating today's episode. Um, this has been another tough week, fires and earthquake, um, right here in San Gabriel Valley, actually, and the passing of the legendary RBG. So before we start, I wanted to just touch base with my girls and ask you guys, how are y'all doing? It's been tough. Hanging in there, yeah. but yes. I can't, I, I still can't think about her death without almost coming to tears because of the implications of what her death is going to bring for us. And it makes me really sad. Yeah. But we can be hopeful that, you know, the larger majority of the good people want to continue her legend. Her work. Yeah. Do the work for her. So at least we can be grateful for her life. I'm just so happy she was born. That's yeah. It. Absolutely. <laughs> now we all got to live in that same life. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's get started. Um, we wanted to talk about something that's been weighing on our minds a lot, exactly how to bring up the next generation of compassionate children in light of all the complexities of today's diverse families and really celebrating those identities and heritage that make us so unique. And we want to be thoughtful about how we raise our kids and above all else, teach them to be kind and respectful to everyone else. And I don't think being kind or compassionate was a strong child-rearing characteristic in my personal immigrant household family. Um, so I know I struggle with the tools to do this. So we brought in some pros today. We have two amazing guests with us to really bring expertise to the conversation. My previous colleague, Christina Johnson, and her beautiful sister, Denica Gordon-Mandel, who are two of the founders of a nonprofit called Raising Compassionate Leaders, focused primarily on this subject. Um, so Christina and I worked with another research university in Orange County a few years back and became fast friends. So I am so thrilled that you are here and part of our conversation today. So please welcome Christina and Dedica. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for being here. Tell us, tell us how we do this. <laughs> how do we do this? Please solve our problems for us. <laughs> well, I think you guys are on the right track of beginning the conversation. And I think it all starts with having that openness and the willingness to begin the dialogue and knowing that it begins with our children is is essential so i think you guys are on the right track yeah can you kind of take us back to how this originated because you're both full-time working women um Denica, you've got two teenagers christine you've got two little ones under five so it this must be an intense challenge for both of you to carry no it, it is for sure and Denica, do you mind if i address the first part of how we got started Yes, please go for it. Okay. So, um, and Denica and I are actually two of four sisters and our other sisters live across the country. And so we have um, children ranging from a year and a half, which is, you know, Maxwell, all the way to 17. And one of our sisters has a bun in the oven. So that will bring our party to nine. We're really excited about that. Um, and as black women with young children, we often discuss our personal experiences and those of our children. And unfortunately, our children have faced racism at an early age. And so we've had to begin these conversations earlier than we probably had hoped to. And then we started just talking often about how, how can we be more proactive? And then how can we also help other mothers and fathers um, 
you know, embrace the differences in others and teach their children to have empathy and begin so. And so we just want people to have, like we we're talking about earlier, positive conversations around cultural competence and humility. So from there, um, RCL was born. So it's been it's been a blast. It's been it's in its first year. And as you mentioned, we have full-time jobs as well as this, but really we're so passionate about this work that it really, I mean, it feels like a job. It does. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's worth every second. Completely agree. I am, um, by way of background about me, um, I am a licensed clinical social worker and have a background in psychology as well as um, come from a world, my, my early career was public relations. So within sort of that, sort of all these years of me being on this planet, I have um, had a lot of conversations and understand the importance of messaging. Um, and that's, you know, within the home as well as trying to navigate all the messages that are outside of the home. And so as a therapist, um, and I'm also director of my practices, uh, women's wellness program, I noticed that there was a void um, as far as having language around how to discuss racism, sexism, and any other of the isms out there, the otherness, um, you know, when we're trying to have conversations with racial, ethnic, or cultural people outside of ourselves, that there was a void. And so I think it, you know, RCL, founded on the FEEL framework, um, setting a foundation, exploration, engagement, and leadership, um, all within this compassionate kind of um, uh, um, framework. I think it's really important that we learn how to have these types of conversations. Parents, as Christina said earlier, are really are agents of change or can act as agents of change. And I think that RCL um, you know, provides a platform for them to start to have these types of dialogue so that they feel empowered, that they have the skills, they have the resources to really engage in these meaningful conversations with their children. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so when it when you talk about creating that compassionate framework, what does it actually mean to fit compassion within that definition and why is that important now? Um, so let me back up for a second. I think that, you know, really to go back to the field framework, I, it is about parenting in a very conscious way, right? So when parents are working to set that foundation, it really starts with self-exploration. And if you go to the RCL website, it has this self-exploration exercise. Um, that we as parents have to do first to kind of understand our background and understand what our sort of experiences have been um, within America, right? And I think once we do that work, we can start to really then kind of understand or acknowledge that there are other people out there that have different lived experiences, right? And that um, sets the foundation to be able to name sort of these isms we're talking about. And then we can explore and actively start to discuss with our children their experiences and what's happening in the world um, and engage with our kids in a way that they feel affirmed. And we start to, you know, we'll, um, we are about providing parents 
tools so that they actually can have these skills so that they, their children can operate outside the home and act as leaders, right? So they can be an advocate for themselves and for others. So I, I would say that as far as compassion, we're at a crossroads right now, right? That we as parents, as agents of change, we can't wait until our kids get to grade school, which really in our society, kids get to college before they really learn how to navigate a diverse world because we, you know, if we look at sort of the numbers, you know, I think it's, Christina, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like 75% of white people stay in their community. And I think it's like 58% of African-Americans stay in their own community. So we have to really start to actively engage um, our children in these types of conversations because that old atom of uh, colorblindness really um, doesn't work. You know, our children see differences, you know, Again, I'm, I'm a nerd, so the science, when we look at it, actually says that children start to see color difference at a very early age. So by not acknowledging, right, silence doesn't create this fairness, this compassion, right? Silence isn't compassionate. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that I would add to that is that, you know, our foundation that we talk about in doing the self-exploration exercise is also for parents to take that first step within themselves and then to teach their children how to be compassionate. And there's a lot of um, literature out there that compares whether or not you should select empathy over compassion. And really when you look at compassion, it's the ability to take action and feel for someone's situation regardless of whether or not you have had those direct experiences. It doesn't, you know, you take all things into account and you ensure that you have or you can teach your children to um, have that desire to be advocates and allies. So that's why I'd say it's, it'd probably be one of the most pivotal um, aspects of RCL. Well, I think you guys are doing fantastic work, honestly, and this is such a great resource for us as parents. I now I have a five-year-old, that's my oldest child, and I have a two and a half-year-old. And I often now reflect back on my childhood so much because obviously I'm a parent now. And I think like for, for me, like my mom and my, my dad were immigrants and they were first generation here. And I think they were just trying to live. Like they were just trying to figure it out. And they did not have this next level thought of like, how do I do this? How do I make my, my children better people? And I think, you know, because of the foundation that they laid for us, we're in a better place because of it, but it's, it's complex, like how to do this, how to make your children good people, you know, because it's, it's so important. And, and I'm so grateful that you guys are offering this as, as a free resource also. Right, right. And to bounce off of that, I, I think back at our first episode, you know, about growing up Asian American, in that episode, we say, you know, our future is bright, we're going to lead our children, but we don't really point anybody to where and how. And so I'm so happy that you guys are here. And I'm so happy that you guys start with self-reflection, because I think that's where we started. Um, and yeah, we need, you know, the next steps. Absolutely. Well, we're happy to do it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really important work. And I love the fact that you are, I think within the BIPOC community, we, we talk about Black, Indigenous, and people of color community, mm -hmm. this type of um, 
cross racial, ethnic, cultural conversation is so important. And we're so happy to be a part of this podcast because it does take dialogue across, you know, the color lines within this, this, um, uh, within the United States so that we can, you know, affirm each other and work together in order to create change. So important. It's so important. And I, and, you know, I don't, I didn't know as a new parent, I have a 14 month old that this resource was out there until Tiffany or Ticha shared that all with us. And so I'm, I'm really so excited to dive into it with you guys a little bit here and then also access your website as a resource. Yeah. And man, I need it. (laughs) (laughs) We do. You know, I totally agree with Tilo that like our parents were just doing what they could to survive. And, you know, I totally appreciate that. And that's enabled us to, one, become aware of the fact that maybe we aren't doing everything we can do to um, ensure that our, our, or at least coddle the compassion within our kids. So I'm so glad to be able to think about this, this level that I want to instill in, you know, Kai, he's my, he's my three-year-old. And, you know, sometimes I'll be like, react calmly, you know, higher level. (laughs) When he screams no at me, you know, um, you know, it comes with the territory. He's three, just be calm and set a good example. And other times I just want to be like, I'm your mom. (laughs) No, (laughs) you don't say no to me. So I can't wait to see what your website has to offer. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So it seems as though the first step for everyone is to get on RCL's website and then do that assessment, right? Yes. Yes. I think my, my next question is, so Chuk and I are very similar in the regard that our parents actually do a lot of the uh, child rearing during the weekday and they're significantly older. And I don't know if like, how, like, I, I don't know how to phrase it to them that this is, is the, I wouldn't say the way, but it's like, it's so important to us to raise our children in a very different way that they did. Would someone their age, you know, sixties go through the same assessment? Is there a different process for them? How do you recommend we start that? I would say that, okay, first, let me, let me back this up for a second. You're right. Their lived experience is very different than ours, right? Yeah. So the idea that, you know, they came here, they had, they were, they were, they came here by choice, very different than an African-American coming to the U.S. And that choice was to create this better life for themselves and their children. And I think, you know, when we work, you know, within the RCL framework, it is about acknowledging their truth, their struggle, and honoring that, and then having a dialogue about understanding others' lived experiences and how then can you take that information, right? And then teach your children to respect others' lived experiences. And what does that dialogue look like? You know, I do think that regardless of age, this is appropriate work to do. I think, you know, for the older generation, there has to be a lot more dialogue probably from you, uh, you all with your parents to discuss this because this, this is a lot of, unknown this type of identity development right racial identity development it wasn't this is this would be new to them right so i think we have to have a lot of patience 
um, and be very persistent when it comes to talking to our elders. Yeah, it's definitely not an immediate turnaround of results. I mean, even, ha even having had like Black Lives Matters conversations with my parents, it's, it's, it's tough to get in there. And really like, you know, as Asian Americans, we also don't have a lot of dialogue in family. <laughs> like, like we don't really talk about deep things like this. So it is, it is really hard work, but it's persistent work, I think, to your point, that will, that will get us there. And can I add one thing that I was just thinking about, like as your parents would probably love to read books to your children, or I mean, I, I don't think that any of us during this time, during the pandemic can get away from TV time, but I think, mm -hmm. you know, being mindful, even the media or the books or what your parents are um, exposing your children to would be a great way to even start some of these conversations. There's a lot of uh, resources on our website that give you options for books that we've vetted and really like from that even standpoint would be a great place to start. Fantastic. Um, and then where, so can you give us your website so that our listeners can go there directly? Yes, it's rcleaders.com. Perfect, rcleaders.com. Can't wait to see all of our TikToks fans on there. Um, and obviously, this is a 25-minute podcast. We can't learn to be agents of change during this short period of time. But are there any best practices or next steps that you can impart to us immediately so that we know what we should do after this call? I mean, for me, kind of speaking back to, I think it was, I, I, I'm not sure of the name, so I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Uh, Likely it's one of the Tiffany's. <laughs> or Isa. <laughs> They're all Tiffany, so it works out perfectly. Just, just <laughs> it goes back to being able to talk about um, emotions that come with all of this, right? Because there is a lot of emotionality around talking about these isms, race specifically. Um, and so being able to tolerate that discomfort um, is so important. And when I, and, and I wanna say that it, that discomfort, you know, shows itself in many ways, meaning, first of all, there is no way we're gonna know everything about racism and be able to present it to our child. Like this is a work in progress and being okay with not knowing, and then being able to tolerate the discomfort, right? with having these conversations. And that means conversations that you may have with your child directly based on, you know, as Christina said, reading a book or watching a TV show and talking about what's happening on the screen. Um, but then things that your child may come home, you know, having to deal with, whether that someone made fun of my accent or they made fun of my eyes or they made fun of my hair, whatever that is, being able to guide your child through that type of racist um, behavior. So I would say the first thing is being able to tolerate that arc of discomfort, you know, because being able to tolerate that arc of discomfort, parents are modeling through their engagement with their children how to have these hard conversations. Right. Yeah. There's no growth without that discomfort. Right. Yes. Um, and I have a question for you guys, because, you know, of, of the four of us, my daughter is the oldest. And back when um, the whole George Floyd went thing went down and um, 
we had the news on constantly mm -hmm. and my daughter was asking me like what happened and we were in the bathroom giving her a bath and I had to explain to her what happened. I didn't, I mean, I wanted to have an open dialogue with her, but I, I struggled to explain why he died so unnecessarily. And I guess I'm, I'm curious, like, how have you guys tackled that with your children, your younger children specifically, I guess, or what's your advice? Yeah, then I'm just gonna answer just from my perspective with Emily, uh, my daughter who is five. Um, and then Danica, I know that your, your children are a little bit older. Um, so you can share from that perspective. You know, with, with Emily, we were in a very similar boat. Um, and I think I mentioned earlier how she's experienced racism at such an early age. And yeah. we have had to have conversations about people not being kind because of the color of her skin and or making comments about her hair. Or even when I talk about media, representation is so critical because I, I can even recall, and I'll get back to everything related to the George Floyd um, uh, murder and how you can share that, uh, it'll break that down, that's in an age appropriate way. Um, I just remember her saying, I want blonde hair and I want to be really long because that's what princesses have. So it's just really having to have earlier conversations that can break it down incrementally because having, you know, a lot of people have faced the discussion of racism and police brutality all in one setting. And if we're breaking it down over time where we're exposing to different media and then having discussions about people not being kind to others based on certain characteristics, um, then if it's that moment of time, then you can break it down in a way that they can potentially understand. I mean, we don't use the word racism because she can't understand that entire term, but we yeah. will say, you know, there are police officers that are um, you know, they're here to protect you. And, and unfortunately, some aren't kind and some might, you know, operate outside of what's being expected. And, um, you know, a, a, a man died because of it. And so um, I think we have had certain conversations, but if you put it in a way where it's the unfortunate truth is George Floyd will be a discussion, it will be a situation that will um, happen again. And so if we can frame it in a way where they're not, you know, words that are above their head or in, in simple terms, but also try to put them in a, um, be that comfort for them and let them know that they're safe and that mommy and daddy are, are you know, uh, are here to protect them. I think that's also really important to not put them in a, in a, in a um, instant panic. So that's just my experience with, you know, my daughter, but Denica, I don't know if you have, you probably have something to add to that from, um, your perspective as well. Um, yes, um, thank you, Christina. I think that to your point, in order to be, um, to raise your children, um, to, be, to be conscious parents as you're raising your children, I agree with Christina wholeheartedly. It's so important to start to have these conversations early. Um, and, and they will look very different depending on your background. And, you know, being able to speak to other people's differences, and you can actually use the language of fairness initially at the very younger ages, which is easier for them to digest and to understand. But to be able to speak to other people's lived experiences and navigating differences and to create and, and language around fairness, being able to take all of that is so 
important because, you know, there's been a lot of research that children actually engage in racialized play around four years old. They take in messages, you know, just as we talk about gender and, and those messages, you know, that they receive early. And we have a lot of conversation these days around like girls can do all this and, you know, don't pay attention to that on television or that book is not fair. So I would say to be able to have these conversations early and often so that when there are events, right, that happen, you've already created language around fairness. Now, I will say that these videos very specifically, you know, I treat them as if they're, they're, just they're violent and I, you know, I, and I treat them as highly adult content. So as much as you, you, know, you wouldn't have your child watch an R rated movie, right? Or even PG 13, whatever your sort of your family values, how, however you navigate that. But, you know, if, if you are concerned about your child seeing something or hearing something like that, I think it's very important that you monitor it and you're really engaged in conversations around it if and when they do see it. Um, and as far as my teens that I have, I ask a lot of questions, right? I, am, I, I ask them questions like, what did you hear? What did you see? So that I am answering their questions in a uh, age developmentally appropriate way. And I ask them, what do they think? about the events and about the people involved. How does it make them feel? And I bring it back around to my to our family values, right? Back to our the base, which is about, you know, inclusion and empowerment. Um, so that to Christina's point earlier, that they feel secure, they feel safe, because th this is my family and this is what we believe. Thank you for that. Those are really great action, actionable yeah. ways to, to digest and. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely something we're going to have to approach in the future. So that those were some great tools. Um, I actually had a question. Um, so I come from an indigenous background. I'm from the island of Guam and it's a territory of the United States. And then my husband is Mexican and Puerto Rican. So he, um, you know, grew up more within the Mexican culture. And so his family are far removed from their, you know, immigrant great, great grandparents. And we have a difference in opinion, a political opinion, <laughs> but also the way we, we raise children or we want to raise our children. How do you approach that difference? Um, I'll just come out i mean it's no surprise i'm more liberal um you know i believe in inclusion um i want to teach her about gender sexual preference racism all of these things and i would have to say my in-laws are a little like averse to change and maybe don't think that these things exist um things like that so how would you approach that difference because it part of the issue is for me and she's so young right now but it's like do I want to be honest I'm like do I want them to you know um babysit her in the future do I want them to expose her to their views I mean I do but in a in a constructive way and I don't I don't know if they will do that how do you approach situations or how do you recommend to approach situations like that I'm gonna say your gut is everything right now like your gut which is okay let's have dialogue 
between myself and my partner? And how do I accept and respect his differences, right? As well as he accept and respect my differences and we have this, um, we influence each other, right? And we get mm -hmm. where we're on this united front when we have conversations with our child that embraces both of our perspectives. That type of dialogue, right, that you're mirroring within your own home, they'll be able to take that out into the world and truly thrive, right? Because we don't live in this small, you know, in our little bubble, right? right. Stay safe and this is our only perspective, right? So you are actually showing your child how to, how to navigate the world, the, the larger world outside the home, which is a beautiful thing, you know, that she's seeing it from her own parents. Now, as far as the, um, your own family, I think it, it, it's, it's the same thing, right? It's like having conversations that, you know, we call our grandmother Grammy. Grammy's gonna have a different point of view, you know, than, you know, daddy and I. And, you know, some of it we're, we're, that we don't agree with. And, you know, we can respect people, right? But disagree with their perspective, right? And still live together. And I think that is so important. Thank you. Yeah, actually that was something that I've never even considered, just really respecting these alternate viewpoints and teaching my children that these do happen and matter, A happen and then B matter, so that we can be inclusive of all the thought processes, but then like the safety of the home and that's where the primary messaging comes from. Mm -hmm. The modeling. The modeling, exactly. And I think it's important also to, um, say, I mean, respectfully set some boundaries, right? So if you do have in-laws that will watch, and obviously they'll love and, and adore your children and their safety, both mentally and physically, should be of the utmost priority. I think, you know, depending on how much, right? If someone has different views, I think it's important for my husband and I, who do have family members with different views, not to have those conversations around our children because they are so young right now. But as they do get older, we are absolutely making, you know, our family value system a top priority and it's a topic of discussion, but also having that, that boundary where if it's about your political views or if you select to watch certain news channels or whatever the case is, setting certain boundaries with your in-laws so that it isn't an intentional process. Maybe it just might be their view, you know, their viewpoint, but I think it can't be very intentional without a discussion. Annika, I have a, a personal question also, which kind of is a jump off, but it's also related to compassion and empathy. I, um, I last year at this time, I went to a pre-K teacher's conference with my daughter and my husband, and I left and I was bawling. And in the middle of the, <laughs> the, middle of the meeting, I was also bawling. I think my husband was horrified that I reacted this way. But um, the background behind it is I was bullied um, in high school. So I, it's, it's really a, a big trigger for me. If I ever see my daughter, um, behave in a way that, that 
that doesn't display compassion or empathy. Um, the example that set this off was my, my husband had taken her somewhere and her school friend was at the donut shop and she did not say hi. She like turned her face and she was like, mm, like, no, you know? And I know part of that is like, she's shy, she wasn't comfortable, whatever. Um, but the, the teacher told me, um, she's like, you really don't have anything to worry about. She's like, some children are built with more empathy than others um, or people in general are. Um, but it's a learned skill and, and it's something you can work on. And I guess like for me, just because of my background and what happened to me, I just am like, this would be my biggest failure if, if she grew up and she was a bully. Um, I guess I'm just curious about your personal opinion about, about what the teacher said, first of all. Um, and I guess just your parenting advice. <laughs> I, you, the teacher is right. There are some children that are just, they have this innate sensitivity, right, to others. Um, uh, and, and, it's, and it's a wonderful thing. It's, but, you know, there are those children that, you know, empathy is a little bit harder to come by. And it, it and it's, it's fine, right? It's a, and this, it may be a little bit more work, you know, as far as for the parents in order to help them see the perspective of others. And that takes a lot of active engagement, which means, you know, books and movies and TV shows and incidences like you experience. Um, I, I would say that, you know, in that case, I don't know how you um, handle it, but it's, it, it, first of all, I want to uh, say that I, I love your tears. I think we've all left teachers conferences at some point or another in tears and frustration. Um, so, you know, now going back to parenting, I think that building in a pause, right, and, and acknowledging like you did your own um, journey, your own lived experience, and then engaging in a way, right, that you aren't shaming your child, right, but you're asking your child, you're like, what's going on? Like, why? Well, you know, why did you turn away? Like, yeah. what, what, you know, what happened? Or what were your thoughts? Like, and then, you know, find out where they're at. We have no idea. Maybe that child said something or did something, or maybe your child has social anxiety, or maybe your child just doesn't like, you know, something about that child, and we can keep it very simple. But then maybe, you know, based on your child's situation or developmental understanding of what happened, you know, teach them this perspective of compassion. Like, what do you think? Like, how, let me ask you, if someone were to turn away from you, let's say if your friend, you know, Ella turned away from you, how would that make you feel? And have conversation around that. You know, I'm going to tell you something. And if your child is one that in, there are a lot of children out there. It takes multiple conversations when it comes to empathy and compassion, and that's okay. I think as parents, we know how many, we all have to tell our child why they can't do something multiple times, right? So, you know, around all of these isms or around, you know, compassion and empathy, it will be a repeat activity to engage with your child, and it's being okay with that. Yeah. I think she's just such a saucy chick. I'll ask her that exact question and these girls know her and she'll be like, no, 
I wouldn't feel hurt, you know? And I'm like, what? <laughs> so you're right. I think it is just the continued practice of, of it. Um, but thank you so much for that. Um, and thank you for, for acknowledging that it's normal <laughs> to cry. <laughs> My husband didn't think it was normal. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, I wish we seriously had three hours with you ladies. There's you're you're giving us so much more than we expected. And, and we are so appreciative of you guys and your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Gems. Be, before we go into like follow-up items, how to find you guys, next steps, is there anything else you'd like to add? I would like to actually kind of follow up on the other comment, you know, that her daughter is saucy. I and, and because of that we as women, and I don't, I don't know, your, your child has you to look up to, which is you are saucy and amazing and, you know, this feminist. So she may want, she may harness that and think, whoa, this is amazing. I have, I, 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 I don't need anyone, right? I'm, I'm good. Just me and my identity. I am fine. I don't, my sense of self isn't reliant on other which, you know, as far as who she is and how she's developing, that's a wonderful place to be. Yeah. <laughs> as cultivate this identity of being this saucy woman, I think is powerful. So I'm adding that and I'm gonna, then I'll sign off. I know I'm very verbose, so I apologize. No, no, no. Oh, oh my I, God. Love I love that. I love that reflection. It. I love the <laughs> catchphrase, saucy woman. Yeah. <laughs> Kilo, I know that you've told us like more than one story about Tessa recognizing a bully and then putting that bully in his or her place. So, <laughs> so you know, you've, you've taught her well, I think. Thank you. <laughs> I agree. All right. Um, to learn more about RCL and to play a bigger role in this nonprofit, please visit RC Leaders. That's R C L E A D E R S dot com. Thank you again so much for joining us today, Denica and Christina. It was such a pleasure, such a pleasure having you on. Um, it's always been our mission to connect with other women through the lens of our experience. And this is our first topic that dives into the many dimensions of raising compassionate little human beings, human beings. So we are so glad that you could lead us in this discussion. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode and has impacted you positively in some way. Please head over to iTunes to give us that five-star review to help us grow. And lastly, we would love to get your feedback on what topics you'd like to see us tackle. Email us at tittalks at gmail.com or DM us at tit underscore talks on IG. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. See you next time. Thank you so much, Thank lady. you. We really appreciate it. We'd like to give credit to our husbands without their support on this project. Um, it would not be possible. On top of that, we'd like to thank our technical crew, um, music production by Baby Daddy Beats, and graphic design curated by Kano Imamura. And also, I'd love to thank all of you guys, co-executive producers, all four of us. You know, this is our baby, so thank you guys.